Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and Behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, All hail. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people the disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's just pray again. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us. And Lord, that in our weakness and in our waywardness, Lord, we would know the glory of God in this place today, on this Resurrection Sunday morning. That we would hear your word, Lord, in a fresh way. That our lives, Lord God, would be captivated again by the truth that Jesus Christ has risen. And that our wills, Lord God, would be submitted to your will. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got five little points this morning. And, and they're related to the, the five alls, if you want to call them that, that we find in this passage. It was early in the morning on that first Easter day when the news began to get out, the news began to penetrate the world that Jesus Christ, who had been crucified, 
some days earlier on the Friday previous was risen. It's very early in the morning on the day following the Sabbath, very early therefore on a Sunday morning when the women make their way to the tomb. And an earthquake accompanies the coming of the angel who rolled the stone away. There's supernatural activity. There's an angel. There's an earthquake. There's an empty tomb. So much so that the guards are so frightened. Now, these are Roman soldiers. These are Roman soldiers who were well accustomed to crucifixions. These were Roman soldiers who, in today's language, would have been men that were blooded, men that were familiar with awful scenes and were fearless. And we're told that the guards were so frightened that they shook like dead men. Someone has said that the angel rolled the stone away not to let Jesus out, but rather to let the woman in. I love that. Jesus had risen. And the woman run to tell the disciples, they're the first to witness the resurrection, those who had been there to the very, very end on that Friday are the first to witness the resurrection on Easter Day. It's early. There's been an earthquake. The stone has been rolled back, this enormous stone rolled back supernaturally by an angel. Roman guards are shaking like dead men. Uh, and the news is getting out that the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, whom the Romans crucified, the Savior of the world, the promised one in the prophecies of the Old Testament of old, is alive again. He's been raised to life again. And then there comes this first all, and it is to Mary and to the women who are making their way from the empty tomb, and we're told that Jesus greeted them. Depends on the translation that you read as to whether it was all hail or, or joy to you all, or, or just the word greetings. Let's go with all hail or or joy to you all. It says in verse 9, Behold, Jesus met them and said, All hail. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Now that act of taking hold of his feet has significance because it was the way that you acknowledged royalty. It was the way that you acknowledged kingship. Rather than courtesying to to royalty as we do today, you would actually get down and you would take hold of their feet. And that's what happens here. These women take hold of the feet of the King of kings and of the Lords, the Lord of lords. Theirs was a response of submission, of submitting their wills and their lives, and in that moment who they are to the risen Lord Jesus, to the King of kings, and to the Lord of lords. And they worship him. They worship him with hearts that are submissive to him. And they're immediately caught up and they're 
immediately involved in telling others. They do what they're told to do by him. And they immediately go as they've been told to do and they begin to tell others. The others might well have included that crowd of of 500 that Paul would later tell us about in 1 Corinthians where it says, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So we see in this first greeting, all hail, greetings to you all, peace to you all, that there's signs, that there's wonders, that there's the miraculous at work here. But there's also the incredible tenderness and love of of Jesus. There's no correction. There's no sort of pointing finger. Look, why have you not believed? Or where has your belief been? Or why did you allow them to put me to the cross? Or in all his dealings, even his words with Peter, they'll be clear, they'll be firm, but they'll be tender as he reaches with mercy with forgiveness, with new life, with life that is life eternal. All hail. All hail. Next, all comes in verses 16 and following. It's where Jesus is, we're told, is someone who's got all power or all authority. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, Satan has not been able to rob God of anything. Sin's problem has been dealt with. Sin, the price for sin has been paid for once and for all on the cross. Jesus' death was such that the sins of the whole world, satisfaction was was made available to the Father. The price was paid. Justice had been satisfied. And God had also demonstrated his incredible, incredible love for humankind. And now as he rises from the grave, death itself is defeated. It's more than true to say that Satan has egg on his face on Easter Day. Because Jesus has defeated death. He's defeated sin. And while Satan might flay around and continue to try to cause havoc in our world, even to this very day, he is ultimately defeated and will be completely destroyed. That's the reality of Easter. All power, all power, all authority belongs to Jesus because of the cross and because of his resurrection. Authority over sin. Authority over Satan. Authority over death. 
All authority now belongs to Jesus, as we read in Paul's word in Colossians. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. By right, Jesus forgives sins because of his resurrection from the dead. By right, Jesus heals because of his resurrection from the dead. By right, Jesus drives out demons because of his resurrection from the dead. By right, Jesus gives eternal life because all authority and all power are his. He is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the risen Son of God. Sin has been dealt with. Death has been defeated. Satan has been overcome. Paul said, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, all authority. He's the one mediator between God and man. He is the fountain of mercy, the fountain of grace, the fountain of life, the fountain of peace. I love the way that one commentator put it. Just let me quote it to you. Let us embrace this truth reverently and cling to it firmly. Christ is he who has the keys of death and hell. Christ is the anointed priest who alone can forgive sinners. Christ is the fountain of living waters in whom alone we can be cleansed. Christ is the Prince and Savior who alone can give repentance and remission of sins. In him all fullness dwells. He is the way. He is the door. He is the light. He is the life. He is the shepherd. He is the altar of refuge. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. May we all strive to understand this. No doubt men may easily think too little of God the Father and God the Spirit, but no man ever thought too much of Christ. No man ever thought too much of Christ. All power, all authority is his. Thirdly, in the third all here, we're told to go to all nations. Jesus rose from the dead so that the gospel would go out into the whole world. That the whole world would be drawn to the kingdom rule of God. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The disciples, with their Jewish prejudices, are to go into the Gentile world and take the gospel to the whole world. They're to tell the whole world that Jesus died for sinners. They're to tell the whole world that Jesus died for all sinners. They're to tell the whole world that Jesus died for all. Friends, we must never allow prejudice, racial prejudice or 
any other kind of prejudice that can creep underneath our skin to stop us or to hinder us being all out in taking all of the gospel into all of the world. We're to lead people to Christ and teach them to repent. We're to draw people to Jesus so that they would turn away from their sin and believe in him. We're to lead men and women and children to trust in Christ as Savior. We're to baptize new believers. We should expect to see people coming to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. And then to be able to baptize people who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. We will be baptizing at our seven o'clock service this evening some who have recently come to faith. Jesus rose from the dead and because he rose from the dead, the gospel is for all nations. Fourthly, we're to observe or we're to do all things Jesus said, whatsoever I command you. Being saved, salvation, being forgiven, becoming a Christian is being assured that all of our sin has been forgiven. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then your past has been dealt with. You've been justified through faith in God, through faith in what Jesus did for you. You are forgiven. You are this morning a new creation in Christ. The early Christians had a a creed that was just two words, Jesus Lord. That was it. Jesus Lord, or we would translate it, Jesus is Lord. Following Jesus Christ as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, as a believer, as a Christian, means that we're to do everything that he's told us to do. We're to follow all of the teachings of Jesus. We're to allow our lives to be daily led and guided by the Holy Spirit. We're to be those who look at the Word of God and read the Word of God and then under the authority of that Word and with the guidance and help of God's Holy Spirit put into practice what the Word of God, what the Bible teaches us. Discipleship, being a Christian, involves taking encouragement and strength from one another strengthening and encouraging, sometimes challenging one another that we would do everything that Jesus has told us to do. That means forgiving others with the help of his Spirit. It means giving, not counting anything of more value than following Jesus as Lord. It means praying and expressing that we are totally and utterly dependent upon God. That's what prayer is all about. That's what the next 50 days are all about, that we are dependent upon God, that our world needs God, that our church needs God, that you need God, that our community needs God. In, In essence, that's prayer. Just saying, God, we need you. And if you're worried about coming into church and wondering what you might pray for, just keep saying that a million times. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. And that will be sufficient. There'll be lots of other information to help you, by the way. But that will be sufficient. He said to them, 
that they were to observe all that he commanded them. And then finally, there's a fifth all. I will be with you always. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I haven't heard the news this morning, but some of you have shared with me the, the, the awful news that there's been these bombings in Indonesia where I think a hundred plus uh, Christians have been murdered on Easter Sunday morning in their churches as they, as they worshipped. And their families are exposed to what many of us know by way of grief and, and pain of, of loss, but the grief and pain of loss that comes in such numbers has got to be awful for any congregation, for any community. But you know, in the midst of that, that promise in this word stands true. Lo, I am with you always. Always is always. So whatever your circumstances are or, or will be down the road, always is always. I am with you always, he says, to the end of the age. There are these incredible stories that we read of missionary people who went overseas in generations past. And those stories can make us feel bad about ourselves or they can instill faith in us and courage and hope in us. And I, I'd want it to be the latter as I just finished by telling you this little story of David Livingstone. When he was asked what had sustained him, what had kept him during the dangers and trials of his years in Africa, he would always answer by quoting that verse, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's said that when David Livingstone's wife died in Africa, he himself helped prepare her body for burial. He helped to physically make the coffin. He physically was involved in lowering it into the grave. He actually covered it with the earth himself. And then he opened up his New Testament and we were told that he read these very words, Lo, I am with you always, even to the consummation of the age. It was that particular version that he read. And then turning to his African associates, he said, Jesus Christ is too much of a gentleman not to keep his word. Let's get on with the task. It's incredible. Incredible faith and dependence upon the presence of God. The reality that always is always. And when he said he'd be with me and he'd be with you and with those who trust in him, always, it's always. He is with us. Incredible comfort in that. He is with us. Wonderful strength in that. He is with us. That means that he will transform us and, and change us. That means that there will be forgiveness when we trip up and get it wrong. That means that there will be strength for us to persevere when it's challenging. That means that he'll be with us as we take the gospel out into the world as he was with the twelve. Someone has 
captured it. He's with us daily to pardon and forgive, with us daily to sanctify and strengthen, with us daily to defend and to keep, with us daily to lead and to guide, with us in sorrow and with us in joy, with us in sickness and with us in health, with us in life and with us in death, with us in time and with us in eternity. Those five alls on this Easter day, take them away with you this morning. All joy, all joy, Jesus Christ is written, is risen. All power and all authority is his. He has been raised from the dead. Go into all the world, all the world. Don't shrink back from sharing this resurrection story with lots of others. Do everything, do all that he has told us to do and and take courage from the reality that he will be with you always and that always is always is always. Let's pray.